Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the Team Objection Podcast for October 3rd, 2023, episode 593, seven away from 600. I haven't even planned episode 600 yet. I have some ideas, but I actually need to talk it over with the crew. That's like Thanksgiving time frame, isn't it? Right around there, yeah. But we're not going to have an episode on Thanksgiving week, I don't think. So who knows how that's going to work? Because then it also potentially interferes with our plans for December, which we need to talk about because it's October, as I mentioned at the start. So all of a sudden, like December is going to be here soon. We want to maybe do something like last year where we record some shows in advance and do a whole big blowout of December. But then the 600th episode can't be in December because that would ruin everything. So we have some things to figure out. We can't force when episode 600 is, but we'll, we'll see. We can't do a decade of music because the 2020s are only three years old. Well, we can go backwards and just make everybody suffer. How much new music have you listened to from the twenty from twenty twenty on anyway? Um, does, I mean, like speaking personally, I haven't, so I don't even know how you the, do that. Does the theme song of Bluey count? No. Okay, then none. Judge rules no. Mm. Yeah, we'd ask the judge. He said absolutely not. Not in not I, even a million years. I would unfortunately have to Google what a song from the twenty twenties is because I'm coming up blank at the moment. Just say like Olivia Rodrigo a bunch, and people will believe that you know what you're talking about. Oh, that's twenty eighteen, isn't it? No, she's right now. Well, I understand. Oh, that's true. That bad idea or whatever. Yeah. There you go. But she Got had it. one album like two years ago that was a big deal, and now she's big again. Or just say Taylor Swift because she's still popular, and that still counts. That's true. 
I did go to the concert. She might be more popular than ever because of her connection with the NFL. And we're actually going to talk a little NFL today because Sean's not here. Yeah. But it's not really going to be an entire sports episode, so don't be too worried because it's really more about the Toy Story part of that equation. If you don't even know what that is, just stay tuned. Trust me, it's kind of interesting. It's very interesting. I brushed up on that today, so it's going to be it's interesting. And we're even going to talk a little bit about U2, and you know how I hate U2, but it's also not really about them. It's more so about the opening of maybe the coolest venue on the planet. We'll, we'll get to it. But we had to start with the news that you probably saw if you've been connected to us whatsoever, and Dave and I are still wearing Suns gear. It's the end of the DeAndre Ayton era, and I put the word era in quotes because I saw that word used in the aftermath of the trade, and I laughed. I mean... How could it, it, it technically, I guess you can put anything as an era, but yeah, it was just, can you uh, have a better word to describe this whole time other than just disappointing? I don't, I can't think of one. I don't, I mean, I know they just kind of use that to mean the turning of a page, you know, it's not really meant to be an era in the strictest sense, but it's like, I don't think it works when another player encompasses his entire time with the Suns and has so much more meaning and impact on the franchise than he does. But yeah. Regardless, other than the word era being in quotes, Aiton's gone. And I would love to do, if I ever had time, and Lord knows I don't, to do like a compilation of all the things we said about Aiton over the years as we, you know, tried to defend him more than almost anybody else in the Suns fandom did and still couldn't do it by the end. Because, boy, when I saw him in his first press conference yesterday at Media Day talking about his name is dominating, I'm like, yeah, he's your problem now. Have fucking fun. Have fun. I, I'm not rooting against him, to be clear. I'm not like, I don't hate the guy. He's a nice guy. He he played well for us overall. He got too much flack at times. But I'm also like, yeah, Portland fans, I've been where you are. I know the signs that you're going through. You're still in the first stage. You have a ways to go. I saw people on Twitter saying like, man, sons, what did you do to this poor man? He looks so happy now. I'm like, no, 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 no. He's done. He's been here before. Watch the old interviews. Remember when he said he was like a Tesla battery? That's what he said, how powerful he was going to be. Last Oops. year, in our yeah. media day, coming off of the disappointing Game 7 loss that we had against Dallas, he came in and he said he was going to let his actions do the talking. He didn't. And now he's decided he's going to let the talking do the talking again, which he talks a great game. But again, we've seen these quotes over and over again, and he never backs it up on the court. You can't look that badly back on this era, I guess, with him because... You guys had so many shitty lottery picks over and over again. At least he got you something back and you did get to a finals. Like, and I'm, I'm grasping for like positive things to say there, but like you've seen how badly it can go with picks like this anyways, though. I, I will say, I will give him that. And yeah. I, I have been one of the bigger defenders of Aiden, partially because maybe I'm just too much of an optimist. And I saw how much freaking potential he has that if he just put it together between the ears, how amazing he would be. But it's just, if you're five years in, it's not going to happen. But yeah, you're right. If you want to compare his career and what he gave to us versus Dragon Bender, yeah, I'll take eight in every single day of the week. You know, or Marquise Chris or Josh Jackson. Yes, yes, he was much more meaningful to also, us. Also, he produces really well on a team that wins like 35 games. Are you going to even care? Like, who cares? It's low pressure. Like, what? Wh- how? How good would he have to be for you to be like, oh man, I really regret that we trade him. I don't. I don't know what the limit is there. He could, put be... a, he could put a 25 and a 15 next year, and I'd be like, okay, because yeah. it's not going to lead to winning basketball, and that's not exactly. a shot at Aiton. The Blazers aren't going to be very good next year. They have an interesting young core, and you know, with all these pieces they've picked up, their future does look a lot brighter than we thought it was going to in any Lillard trade as of a week ago. But it's also funny to see people talk about, oh, the, 
the Blazers have a new number one option. And I'm like, is he their number three? Yeah. <laughs> Even with how, like, because you got to imagine that Scoot's number one. And if not, like, as Simon. weird as it is to say, Jeremy Grant's going to take 20-plus shots per game. He was doing it with Dame there, so he yeah. sure as fuck is going to with DeAndre Ayton there. I wouldn't be shocked if Grant's the guy who leads them in, shot, in shots attempted. I feel like that's exactly what's going to end up happening. I'm like, Shaden Sharp's a good young player, and like, like, there's enough talent on the Blazers where it's like, I don't think it's a, it's a guarantee that Aiton has more shot attempts per game next year than he did this year. Maybe one or two, but it's not going to be like, he's getting 25 shots a game. I don't think that's going to be what happens. I feel like the the place where, like, when you, like, you're, like, regretting it one, one way or the other is, like, four years from now when he's probably on another new team, and he might be on a, a title contender then, and you'll see how he reacts to the pressure and big games like that. Because I just don't think it's going to happen in Portland. I don't yeah, envision the only- them getting good enough in the West with everything else quick enough during like the prime of his career, I feel like you start to look at it when he's shipped somewhere else on the next step. And you're like, okay, well, how is he doing now? I I mean, yes, I agree. The only way that I really would regret this is if in a couple years he beats us in a playoff series yeah, because exactly. of his defense. Like that's kind of the only way I will regret it overall. Um, but I will say, I don't know, things in the NBA can change fast. In 2020, the Suns were barely hanging on in the darlings of the bubble. And now three years later, we've been one of the winningest teams in the league record-wise over the last three years. So gonna have and, someone, Someone's going to have to force their way to Portland. That's what you. That's what we need to have DeAndre Ayton matter. Think about that. We were even. We made the finals and and had the best record in the league without anyone forcing our way oh, here. I, so, I mean, it's things can change quickly. That's all I say. But regardless, back with Ayton, yeah, I would only really regret it if he somehow could get it together and became a dominating defensive force and beat us in the playoffs. Other than that, let's like go ahead and score twenty five a game. I wish you would have done it here, but you're not going to here. So. He's not going to do it there either unless there's substantial substantial changes coming that I don't think are coming. Like you said, this is your six about to start. So is yes. he going to be able to initiate his own offense? Nothing we've seen so far leads me to believe that's the case. So it's like, okay, he's still going to be relying on other people to get him touches, and he's still going to be shooting mid-range jumpers. And it's like, we'll talk about the Nurkic side of this a little bit as well. But uh, to be clear, is Aiden a better player than Nurkic? Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. even think it's that close. I saw a few people trying to make the case. and It's like, you can argue that Nurkic might be a better fit. But the mm-hmm. idea that he's a better player than DeAndre Ayton is stupid. However, do we need him being soft and shooting mid-range jumpers on a team that's already going to shoot probably an NBA record number of mid-range jumpers? Because somehow, even though we got rid of Chris Paul, by bringing in Bradley Beal, we're probably going to shoot more than ever. Now, in media day, the Suns talked about how many good three-point shooters they have, 10 guys who shot better than 35% last year. So I think they're looking to change their shot profile a bit. But old habits die hard, and their three main shot takers are all mid-range guys. So... Maybe you want Nurkic shooting those three threes from the corner per game and you get eight and out of here and not needing to get touches where he can't catch the ball anyway. So, yeah, we'll let Portland figure that out. We can let Anthony Simons try and run pick and rolls with him and then see that he can't catch the ball and just, you know, watch how the frustration builds over the course of a season. You'll watch the Boston Celtics figure it out when he inevitably ends up as a Celtic in like three years when uh, Porzingis' deal that he just signed it what? finishes and do some shit with that. He said how much how much everyone hated him here and how tough it was for him. He said that he's like it's tough being hated. You want to go to Boston? They'll cut your head off, dude. That's what I'm saying. There's so many more cities that he could be be in, and it's going to go so much worse than it did in Phoenix. Yeah, there was briefly mentioned about like, well, what if you know like James Harden? You could trade Aiton for Harden, and the Sixers wouldn't do that because they haven't beat. And how the hell would you play those two together? But yeah. the idea of DeAndre Aiton in fucking Philadelphia was hilarious to me because I'm like, he'll be crucified in the first 10 games of the season. They'll burn him in effigy on the court, which is not a good look for a young African-American man in society. But nonetheless, it could happen in Boston and it could happen in Philly. So 
want to point out, I don't think I'd want James Harden on this team as presently constructed. It would be a disaster. No, I think. no. And th- th- there was never any traction there. It was just, well, these two don't really like where they're at, so let's just trade them for each other. And it's like, that's not really how NBA deals work. And let's talk about that for a moment, just in the overarching sense. Dame to the Bucks, intriguing. The mm-hmm. two of them in pick and rolls and just kind of using, like, control. Like Dame controls everything three point line and beyond, and Giannis controls everything 16 feet and in. So it's like, and I guess Chris Middleton can roam the. The strip in between because he shoots mid-range jumpers. What an interesting move for them, but also just in general, like how interesting to see that for months, actual months, two to three months, we heard that he's going to the Heat and the Blazers just gonna have to take Tyler Hero and some scraps and a couple picks and look at the package the Blazers ended up getting. They got they got paid. Like it's the best way to describe it. Like they've got. I mean, I don't know. They're not going to be playoff contenders. I don't think in the West, but they've got draft picks. They've got a good young player. They've got, I mean, they got more draft picks out of getting Drew Holiday, which I think was really undersold for what they actually needed since they're not going to be contenders here in the next couple of years. I mean, the idea that they were just going to sit there and take Tyler Hero and maybe Caleb Martin, I wouldn't even think. It's like Tyler Hero and draft picks, basically. Like, Mm -hmm. really? Why would they do that? It makes no sense. Well, there's the end result. I don't even have it in front of me, but we're talking multiple firsts, some pick swaps, and some decent young talent. They could still maybe look to flip Malcolm Brogdon. They could still maybe look to flip Robert Williams or DeAndre Ayton, for that matter, because I don't know how the two of those play together. But they've got two young bigs that they can sort of play around with and see what they like if they need both, because, you know, one could back up the other, whatever, right? But there's a lot of now good young talent on that team between what they already had, just drafting Scoot. So, like... I don't know if the Blazers could have done any better. And that's interesting because, again, you would have thought they were dead on arrival as of a week ago. There was really no rumors about the Bucks whatsoever. It was heat, 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 maybe the Raptors, and that was it. And all of a sudden, it's like, now the Bucks. you can ask questions defensively because as good as Giannis is, he can't cover for everything. And Brooke Lopez is also good. Their perimeter defense might just suck. So they're going to have to be at their best to be good defensively. But offensively, they were one of the worst half-court teams in the NBA last year. And now they've brought in one of the best basket creators and shot makers in the league to pair with Giannis. So it's like, hey, maybe Giannis can try a little harder on the defensive end because he can just turn the ball over to Dame in the fourth if he's tired. Be like, all right, you go get your shots. I'll do my thing. I, it's an interesting That's- fit. And it's interesting to see that you know between that and then the subsequent deal the Celtics made to get Holiday out of all of this, the rich got richer here. Like You can definitely tell there's a clear line of about five teams if you want to put the Lakers in that top echelon. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to, but maybe if if Hachimura and and Reeves are actually as good as they seem to be last year, maybe. But the point is, like, there's a clear gap between top four or five, and then because like Philly's not in that conversation. Miami, even though they made the finals, doesn't deserve to be in that conversation because they got worse, and Lowry got older. In the West, you're like, okay, like Memphis is missing Jaw for so many games, and like, so there's a top echelon, and two of those teams improved just in the last week. Yeah, I'm. I'm interested. Uh, you mentioned about the Bucks and their, you know, how they might fall a little bit on defense. I think they're going to realize how important Drew Holiday was to them. I mean, Giannis absolutely was the reason they won the finals, but Drew was a to me a close second why they won the finals against us a couple of years ago. Because without his defense on Chris Paul, without his stopping at the point of attack, I don't know how they win the finals that year. So I think they're going to really miss that defensive stopper. But on the flip side, you trade offense for defense in this sense and have one of the best deep range shooters to stretch the floor and then have let Giannis just go nuts, blow, you know, bowling over people. It's, it, we'll see how it works. Yep. 
I think it's going to be interesting to watch. Like I'm very intrigued to watch Milwaukee play now because it's going to be such a difference between their previous style of play and this. Like Giannis will still do Giannis things, but like imagine the looks Brook Lopez might get now. Yeah, he was already a very good three-point shooter. It's really fascinating to watch his career arc. You know, when you go to his basketball reference page and his shot profile changing, and like he he made himself into one of the league's best defenders. So like, even with him as the fourth best player, that's pretty good. They lost some depth. Keep hearing about depth. All talk about depth. Well, they lost some over the course of this, but that's what you have to do to get stars in this league. The Suns have done it. The Bucks now have done it. The Celtics are kind of seeing that same problem because imagine now, think about this, the Celtics, who we thought, oh, like the Celtics have this good young core. Grant Williams is gone. Robert Williams is gone. Marcus Smart is gone. Now Brogdon's gone. Brogdon was only there a year. But like all these depth pieces, like starter or close to quality players, have turned over. Now they have Porzingis, who's better. But if he's hurt, he won't be. So a lot of these teams seem to be following the same model, which is bank on stars and figure out the rest. We'll see which one of those teams ends up taking down the title this year. And I will say the one good thing about this trade, I think the Suns did get a little bit of depth. I think Grayson Allen, as much as people might hate him for good reason in the past. I mean, I I did like what he said. We'll get into media day. I did like kind of what he said at media day where he acknowledged his faults of the past. Um, But I mean, what can you say? The guy's a good three point shooter. Uh, length a little bit you know not long super long but a decent defender good three-point shooter he's exactly the type of guy you need in there not uh nazir little uh i believe is his name right Mm -hmm. uh again one of those types of wings that james jones look looks for i think getting rid of tamani kind of sucks because he had potential but he wasn't going to play much on this team so again we kind of got just a little bit more depth after everyone said that we had none after having our big three stars problem is it's sort of a, it's akin to the depth we had last year where it's like we might have the deepest 15 man roster in the league we've got nba caliber players all the way through 15 and there's not really much debate about that but we don't need 15 players in playoff time we need seven or eight and if there's injuries maybe you extend that one or two more spots but i'm not sure we got better in that regard i think Allen's closer to a rotation player than several other guys in our rotation but you know between like bates diop and watanabe like there's We'll go over the Suns in full detail with the roster and whatnot as we close out training camp and we're about to start the season. We'll do a full preview, but there are still question marks, just like with every team in the league right now. But for me, the biggest thing, honestly, is not anything to do with any of the players coming or going, but just more manageable contracts. Because now, instead of having one DeAndre Ayton size deal, you've got Nurkic, you've got Little, you've got Keon Johnson. If he even makes the, the team, he might get cut. Like a lot of smaller deals that you can package together in ways that you want to to maybe get one more piece for the stretch. So uh, to yeah. me, that's like that's the biggest win is getting off of DeAndre's money. Even though you took back about as much, I think it was actually slightly more overall. It's a lot more flexible, and some of it drops off in two years. It feels great too to again, like you said, we took back more money. This wasn't a cost cutting deal. Some people I saw online said that not understanding what that meant because Nurkic's yeah. contract warning. No, no, we spent about five million dollars more because of this trade. It's Ishbia's there to go in, and I, I like to see it. So along those lines, what things I liked to see was yesterday's media day. It kind of worked out nicely for the timing of this because the Aiton trade happened. We were all off, gone for a week. It was right after a show anyways. But then we could talk about both things in one fell swoop because yesterday, look, it's media day. And just like in any sport, whether it's the pro level or high school or whatever, everybody always has the right things to say the first day because nobody hates each other yet. Nobody's gotten mired in losing yet. It's just everybody's all hugs and handshakes and having a great time being there. But the main takeaway I had from Media Day wasn't anything specific. It was just everybody kind of seems locked in. 
And maybe it was just because I wasn't looking for somebody like Aiden to give goofy quotes and be having like grinny grin happy time. But everybody just talked about the task at hand, talked about sacrificing for others. Now, I don't know where I'm going to play exactly, but I want to contribute to this team. It seems like a team where I'm going to enjoy the culture because they just want to win. And we know that starts at the top with, I guess you could say Book and KD, but also Beal. They're all guys that just like the ball and they all want to have more individual success. KD's won two titles, but more than anything, I just watched that and I was like, yeah, like even the 13th guy on the roster has saying the right things. I'm excited. Let's go. How many guys do you I, have left from your finals team? One. Is it really one. just Book? Devin Booker. Yeah, that is crazy. That, I mean, to, to Dave's point, like that's how quickly things change. Like I was yeah. like looking at the picture on there and I'm like, well, that's weird to look at all of a sudden that like you did ship out Aiton and Paul. And so now it's, and you need the package you sent for Durant. I'm like, holy shit, your team's drastically, drastically yeah. different all of a sudden. But you're still really good. Yeah. It's just I mean, shocking. It's um, it's funny when Christy mentioned about Durant having two titles. I, I think it's funny how this, how everyone's looking at this, especially the three stars. When I look at Beal, you know, always in mediocrity in Washington forever. Always, you know, 41-41 every year, pretty much. Barely in the playoffs or not in the playoffs. Uh, Booker came from, you know, terrible teams, then made himself into a superstar. Both of them are hungry for a title for to get out of that next step. Durant, on the other hand, has the two titles, has the two finals MVPs, but no one, like, it, in a weird way, no one thinks he deserves those two titles for what it went through for the Warriors. So this title, in a different way, would mean so much so much in a different way for him. So he's just as locked in as the guys who don't have a title in some weird way. So it's kind of awesome to see how much they want to be there. Mm -hmm. And I hesitate to do this because I don't want to give Flex any credit, but I had to cite my sources. On one of the podcasts after Media Day, he talked about how it was almost like Devin Booker got traded in the sense that in the last six months, new owner, new coaching staff, and an entirely new roster... (laughs) And normally when this happens, it's a sign that things have gone terribly wrong. And in this case, it's like retooling and just kind of reassembling a roster that should still work around him. Now, again, I'm not saying, well, we're going to win a title. But the Suns are one of the lead contenders this year. There's not really a whole lot of debate about that. People can argue about how high their ceiling is or whatever. But they're in the mix, and it's unusual to see this because one of the things we talked about with the Nuggets and they won the title last year was continuity. And I guess the idea was, well, we're not going to have much continuity anyways with a new owner and a new coaching staff and a new offensive system. So the hell with it. Like, what's it going to do? What's the difference if there's one or two guys who have been around? Let's just get the best pieces around Booker possible and figure it out from there. Well, and guys that just, again, like you mentioned, everyone's locked in. Everyone just wants to play. It doesn't seem like anyone is here to advance their lives. Everyone, No one's here to, like, try to do anything off the court. It's just, I mean, Beal is that type of guy. It looks like where he's just, all right, I want to play ball. That's all I want to do. I just want to get, get want to get out here and do. That's what seemingly everybody wants to do. They seem to already like each other in the sense like uh, Utah Wantanabe wants to be here because he played so well with Durant, had such a great relationship with Durant in Brooklyn. There's just so many things that seemingly, and again, you mentioned it's media day. Everything's always kind of optimistic on media day, but this one felt a little different in how much talent is here and also how locked in they are. Which is odd because, I mean, they're going through their first practices now. And we got a couple glimpses from some of the Sun's social media. Like, who the hell knows what this is going to look like, how much they'll keep from the previous system since we know, you know, lead assistant and main offensive guy is still there. Like, there's a lot of question marks. That's why it's funny. I mean, we were texting about this on the side thread. The Arizona Republic's like, we're going to predict every Suns game each month of the season. And it's like, this was before the Aiton trade, just to show the ultimate folly of such an endeavor. But it's like, I, I don't even know, because who's the fifth starter? 
I don't know right now. We might not know for four weeks. So it's not even worth trying to guess at the basketball stuff right now. In addition, you know, just look at yesterday. We heard Damian Lee's out for probably most of the season, if not all of it, with a torn meniscus. Like, things change so fast in the NBA. No greater example than these deals in the last week. So the idea of trying to figure out what it all means. I'm, I'm just enjoying so far. It's like media day, and, you know, it's it's training camp. Fine. We'll worry about the season projections and what's going to happen in a month. But for now, I liked watching the crew together. It was great seeing these three in particular. And just Booker, I, I guess we've talked about it to death on this show. If anything, that's interesting because we didn't really have the podcast when Steve Nash was still playing. He was playing in L.A. like the last year or two. It doesn't, that didn't happen. He was never in a Laker uniform. So we didn't <laughs> have much. a chance to gush over Nash like we did back then, at least in a recorded fashion. But, man, like this is your nine for book, even though he's only 26. And it's like, God, he's still here. And he's, he had the great line about, like, you know, how, when did you arrive on the scene? He's like, I've been on the scene since 96. And you're like, God damn. That's when you were born, sir. <laughs> he accidentally says the coolest thing sometimes, which is funny because he's so corny about other things sometimes. You're like, this dude just dropped that line, but he also got into it with a mascot, which was overblown. But still, like, <laughs> it's weird. So anyways, just appreciation for Book and how media savvy he is now. He talked about Aiton in a really good light. He talked about the new players on his team, the new coaching, the new ownership, like, the dude deserves this team he's on, and I hope for any number of reasons they can deliver a title. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I laugh uh, just about another media day thing real quick. Cody, your hair is almost like Jimmy Butler's. Very close to Jimmy Butler's hair. Copy me, I know. you push it over a little bit more, it might actually hit that. There you go. There you go. There it is. There's the Jimmy Butler hair I was looking for. That was hilarious. I, I don't know what he was doing. I've had this to... hair since I was in high school. He copied all this this vibe. I enjoyed all the really emo puns, by the way, that were on Twitter because of that. Because Ball Out Boy and uh, Jimmy Heat World were fucking great. Yeah. Just absolutely that, great. I told that to my wife yesterday after showing the picture, and she's like, whoever wrote that is an absolute genius. Yeah. Ball Out Boy is a genius. Yeah. Like, Jimmy Heat World was good. Very good. Yeah. But it wasn't on the same level as Ball Out Boy. I don't know. That's just... By the way, from the perspective of you do those photo day shoots for graphics later... He fucked them so bad, just just to point out. Oh, absolutely! Like, For the second straight year. Like, yeah, what he did, like they have to either redo his shoot with him specifically if they want promo material the correct way, or he actually has to look like that throughout the season. And I'm sure someone's gonna tell him, like, we have to do another photo shoot now, you jackass. Thanks a lot. You think he cares? <laughs> no, I don't think he cares. It's just really funny that he made the common person's job so much harder, and then they looked at him. They had to look at him and be like. You fucking kidding me right now? I get that you're emo about not getting any player you wanted, but come on. Uh, 2K last year gave up. They were just like, we're going to use his old photo instead of the dreadlock one because it doesn't look like that anymore and didn't for more than like two days. So they just said, the hell with it. We're going back to last year's. We'll see what the Heat's team squad does. He's such a pain in the ass. I I really look forward to his legacy when he's no longer in the league and all the weird shit I'm sure he's going to get into. It just... Cody, isn't that exactly what you want? Like he just trolls. Like, yes. don't you love that? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's funny. I mean, it. it I don't know. It, it probably gets old when he's on your team after yep. to an extent. Except for then he goes and actually does produce in the playoffs, so that you can't even fucking get that mad. No. Like, if you're a Heat fan. He's gonna be one of your like favorite players of all time. He's fucking willed you into the finals. There was a tweet from like a disgraced beat reporter that was like, "98 percent of the of the organization thinks that's not a reflection of Heat culture." And it's like, boy, you got to get that stick all the way out of your ass. Yeah, man. Because like. <laughs> I, he if he had had a clunker in the playoffs, if he hadn't shown up when it mattered, then you can have that conversation. Yeah. Even though I think I still think it's stupid, but 
He was great in the playoffs. He was the second best player or third best player in the playoffs. Like, what the, he does yeah. should be unassailable. It's yeah. media day. Who fucking cares? The ratio of what a guy actually is to how how much he outperforms that in the playoffs, he has to be among the all-time leaders of, like, st- actually stepping it all the way up to pull this shit off. <laughs> so then, yeah, he gets to be a weirdo whenever he wants to be a weirdo, and he's in Miami, so it's great. Yep. I just I, I thought it was funny. As soon as I was looking at that, I was like, "Yep, that's it, perfect." I, I, I wish thought I, I thought it was I, I thought it was fake at first because I saw a still and I didn't see like the video. And I thought mm-hmm. I thought someone had like photoshopped and was like, "Wow, why the fuck did they do that?" And then I realized it was legitimately hmm. real. And I, I wonder how long he spent on that because that's a lot of straightening to get the hair looking like that. That's yeah. like, that that's not easy. Like for anybody's hair. That was the weirdest part too, is because it's East Coast, so we were getting those, you know, early Arizona times. It's like, what are you doing? It's too early in the morning for this. Shit, yeah. Get out of here. But that said, fuck the Heat. They yeah. overachieved last year, and it's funny to watch them completely lose out in the Damian Lillard sweepstakes. So, yep. Bye. That's because they were tampering, right? Uh, sure. Yeah, that's that's what Jimmy said, and we know yeah. he's you know infallible as a source. Yeah. Yeah. We do have to talk a little bit about a fever dream. Uh-huh. Um, if you didn't see the picture on the screen, if you're if you can see it, and if you're listening to the podcast, of course you cannot. Doesn't really do it justice no. either way. So I need you just to go just just do a search for like NFL Toy Story. They no. called it Fun Day Football, but either way, just go do a search. Will, you'll find some gifts and stuff, and you'll know what we're talking. about. I will about. specifically tell you: look up Bijan Robinson Toy Story highlights, and there's someone cut them all together, which he was the most impressive player in that game. So. Go That's find true. that with the music it's set to and just watch the highlight package of Bajan Robinson. That's all. And you can find it on Twitter. It's very easy to find. But to give it like the 30-second description, it was essentially a rebroadcast of a football game at a really early hour, as it turned out. 6.30. Yeah, which that's a, that's a choice. And it was done with essentially like computer chips that were tracking the players' movements, and they recreated a football field inside Andy's room from Toy Story with all sorts of little Toy Story like references scattered about, like Slink being the first down marker, like the stretch, you know, like the Slinky aspect being the way they would measure the chains and all that stuff. So like, uh, when I say Fever Dream, I kind of mean it because the highlights were both neat and kind of weird. So first we got to talk about the concept, and then I want to talk about the overall application too. Well, the idea of it was is to – so CBS is Nickelodeon, same company. They've been taking NFL games and putting them on Nickelodeon for kids to watch, putting in fake little slime cannons. A very hilarious clip last year was the voice of Patrick Starr was uh, calling yeah. the game when Russell Wilson threw a pick six and you know did the, that's not what he wanted to cook type of thing, which they had a lot of fun making fun of. Mm-hmm. And so Disney got a hold of this London game to be on ESPN Plus and wanted to recreate the same thing. I think in their IP, Toy Story makes the most sense, right? Like, did you want like a Monsters, Inc. game? I, I don't know what else would be better. I mean, Marvel maybe, but that's... I, I, no, Toy Story is by far the best thing. And to call it Fun Day Football, you get a whole era of people who just kind of tune in to see what it is, what's going on. The NFL is doing everything they can uh, to ensure that you are crossing every bridge of people that you possibly can to reach every intersection of popular media that you can. The Taylor Swift thing, whether that's how much of that is fabricated or not, it's working. I don't know. I don't know how much they actually care. Taylor Swift and uh, Travis Kelsey care about each other, but it's working. Like holy shit, the amount of stuff I see now on ta- on social media, people care. It's insane to me. So this is just one other thing where it's like, hey, do you want to have kids watch the NFL and get a little bit interested in it? There you go. Here's a way of doing it. I thought it was interesting because. 
the technology worked pretty well. There were a mm. few glitches. I think it's to be expected overall, given that it's, it's basically recreating a live broadcast in real time. Like it, it, it tracked the players pretty good. It, the ball was the problem because the, the ball, ball yeah. was the one that was randomly. And then they had like every time they brought the crane in, the crane fucked everything up for some reason. Cause, right, which like, was a really funny concept, but it didn't yeah, work. The, in the crane in spotting practice. the ball kept making the ball glitch, but like. Because there's a couple highlights where the ball is floating off somewhere in the distance randomly, and the players are all patterned correctly and actually look pretty fucking good. And I and I was watching. And I'm like, to be able to measure the players out in live speed, to have made the characters this big, to match the yardage marker and make them ratio the correct way, I was like, holy shit, that's actually really impressive. I I did laugh the first touchdown, the Calvin Ridley touchdown. Every replay they showed the balls on the ground. Balls on the it's ground. like touchdown. Yeah. Jaguars, like, but the balls on the ground. What yeah. the? There, there were so many balls. Like they, they scored. Uh, there was another touchdown that went into the end zone, and it's like he's like diving for it, and the ball's right here, and then he's like, and they're like, they're like, oh, touchdown! So I'm like, well, the ball is incomplete in my opinion because that's what it looks like. <laughs> right. So this is really confusing. The, the funny. I did really appreciate the the announcers that were on there. I cannot remember who the play by play guys, but Booger McFarlane who gets made fun of quite a lot on ESPN. Mm-hmm. They didn't take it seriously. And I think that's no, what I appreciated no. is that they were just having all kinds of fun. Cause I don't know if you guys saw, but behind the scenes, they are in like skin tight suits to map them while they're doing the announcing. So they're in full like video game mapping, like spandex and they're sitting there calling the fucking game yeah, in un- this spandex, in this weird warehouse place. They understood the assignment. They understood, like, okay, this is going to be a little goofy and weird, but we might as well embrace it. And it did make the broadcast better for it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would have turned it off. I think if those two weren't having as much fun as they were, and because they recycled a lot of the same clips and redos where Woody and Jesse are like swing dancing with each other and shit, so it got a little bit repetitive at a certain point for an adult, for a kid, they're not going to care. Um, and it was a good game to do it for because again, it's the London game where it's in its own time slot. It's not a prime time game that you're taking attention away. It's already the game that people aren't going to watch a ton at 630 in the morning on the West Coast. It was a, Drew Carter was the uh, play-by-play guy. I just looked it up. He Drew did a Carter really good Bird. job. Like, a yeah. really, really good job. Yeah, you you, you got to be silly with this. you got to be a little nuts. I remember he said it was like first and slink at one point. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I appreciate that. I absolutely <laughs> appreciate that first and slink. It is uh, first and slink. He's right. I, I, I did say, I remember watching this, and I did say to my wife, I'm like, how many drugs were they on when they thought of this? Because yeah. this is insane. This is an insane level of technology. And Chris, like you said, fever dream. It's like somebody woke up in a cold sweat in the middle of the night and said, football and Toy Story, this is it. And it worked, again, to <laughs> varying degrees, sure. But they had to test this and be like, no, this actually can, this will survive a live broadcast. Like, it's not so buggy and so messy. It was weird, but it, it I, I don't think you can call it anything but a success, despite some of the blips. Like, it worked, but it also makes me have questions about like the future of sports. Yeah. Yeah. And just if you limit it to the NFL and I'm not trying to criticize the NFL with this, this is a true of a lot of sports, but it's like we have technology in tennis where we can see a replay down to like the millimeter as far as whether a serve is in or out or whatever. Right. And we have this stuff in football now where it's pretty accurately tracking the players. And yes, putting a chip in the ball is different because if it fucks with the ball in any way whatsoever, all the players are going to riot. Right. But, like, why are we still using chains, chains to measure yeah. the first down when we why have this are we technology? Using why, why are we still aren't using, we using human slinky umpires dog? when we have a robot that can call it so much better than Angel Hernandez can? Like, what are yeah. we doing? The technology yeah. is prevalent now. 
the the idea of spotting a football by a human being is ludicrous to me in some ways where you're like yeah yeah i think he stopped here okay all right now we're gonna bring out this chain and oh sorry he's this short game over what yeah because you (laughs) definitely could tell where when his knee was simultaneously hitting where the ball was and his elbow turning and all this shit. I'm like, yeah, go. F- you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And that's but, not even completely a criticism of NFL refs who deserve plenty of criticism. But it's like that's an impossible task. task yes, Sometimes yeah. in replay, you can't even tell exactly where the ball should be spotted because it's con- it's like obscured yeah. by other players or God knows when you can do it in real time. I, I do yeah. wonder if this was the back the backdoor entrance into that of chipping all their shoulder pads to see how accurately they could be measured on a fake field of like. All right, well, why wouldn't you just try measuring the ball in the preseason with, like, these chips in the next couple of years? It's and not going to hurt anything. And also, like, sport track. You know, like, the yeah. NBA can tell you how who who ran the most miles last season on the court. Like, wouldn't you want to have that for the NFL as well? I mean, they brag about all their Amazon shit all the time. But Amazon data crap, and look at we can see what the probability of this catch was. If you could tell me when the guy reaches up, it was a 23% chance of being completed. You could probably tell me I don't care about the measurement of the ball and if it feels different. A microchip's not going to weigh that much, you know? Yeah, the microchip might not weigh, might not weigh that much, but also, like... Nowadays, cars drive because of cameras and cameras alone. Like exactly. it used to be based on radar systems and stuff like that. Cars are driving themselves almost now by just having cameras. Like the camera technology we have is absolutely insane. So I, I laugh because they have the camera in the pylons now that is at the first down marker, not just the end zone. They yeah. cut to it and they showed it in a game, and I'm like, well, if the fucking camera is in the pylon and we can see that he got the first down. Why is this a coach's challenge? You have the camera that you provided and the view is right there. Why don't you help the poor humans out a little bit? You know, 25 years ago, we had the glow puck. This is not that much different, really. I did enjoy that for this Toy Story one, because the ball was tough to follow, they actually did the glow puck technology on the ball in the Toy Story thing. Because I'm like, there were so many play action fakes and shit where you're like, all right, I actually can't tell if he handed it off. Um, And then it's still in the quarterback's hand. The one thing as a giant football nerd is I'm sure children wouldn't have any appreciation or care for this. Getting to watch a football game from the all 22 Madden view. Holy fucking shit. Everyone Mm. has said how much better it is and how much more you can understand the game. And all the teams are weird about it and don't want it to be on TV because someone might be able to see something and all this crap. I'm like, not Everyone else doesn't have it already. Yeah. As I say, don't teams already have access to they that do. footage internally? They, I think they don't want it in, in game because we will watch the television broadcast and call things out and shit like that, I think is the thought process because the All-22 is for scouting and not live. It is, I'm just imagining, because then we saw the comparison clips, right? They told you some of the All-22 to show you how similar it was. We've all played Madden for the most part for years and years, and everyone has said this is the best way to watch fucking football. I, I, I doubt it, but I'm like, please let this be the entryway to that. I'll pay you extra fucking money if I can watch the all 22 game like live. It, it makes football so much better and you understand so much more. You have no idea how much is going on outside of the, yeah. the box that you get to see on the screen. The wide receivers blocking on the edge, the guard pulling, whatever it is. Yeah, I, I, I get what you mean. It, uh, you, you, you think that someone has a running lane, blah, blah, right? Like while you're watching the side view of it. No, maybe they don't. And then all of a sudden you watch the All-22 and it's like, oh yeah, that guy missed the hole really fucking badly. It was right there. Mm -hmm. They had blocked it perfectly. Again, as a person who played defensive back in high school, I care what the fuck the corners are doing against the wide receivers. Yeah, or the safeties and how they're doing read coverage and like where they're heading to on a route. It's like, this is a passing league now. We have a running view of the NFL when we watch it on TV in a passing league that almost everything is going 10 yards downfield. And it just... (laughs) 
that was why that's why we hung on to watching i'm like i can actually break this down way better while while i'm watching it on fucking toy story one of the coolest videos I ever saw, ever replays I ever saw, was when the Cardinals were in the Super Bowl when Larry Fitzgerald had that long touchdown. They showed the all twenty-two view, and we saw how two outside wide receivers went outside, and both the safeties followed them, opening up the entire middle for Fitz to run right down. Exactly. It's like, oh, I could see how this was broke, how the coaches broke this one down. Yeah, yeah. And it's amazing that you have to rely on Toy Story to get that view in a live game. Absolutely crazy. And I, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, there's no way they're they're using this as scouting, but I'm like, was this any different? Like you still did the all twenty two thing. I get that they're cartoon characters, but the players They're there correctly. The players mm-hmm. occasionally on the offensive line they glitched when they leaned up and stuff like that right before pre snap. But otherwise, the defense is lined up how the defense was lined up, I think ninety five percent of the time. And I'm like, man, it is so much more fun <laughs> to watch this. And you have all the camera angles to do it. I think just it would improve so many aspects, but like the linebacker, that's what I like to play when I was playing Madden on defense was linebacker. And it's like, okay, is he in QB spy? Is he blitzing? Is he in drop coverage? Is he like, what is like, you can see that now. And it's like, we're spoiled because most of us are big, like NBA fans. I once was an NHL fan. I wish I could get back into it, but it's like the strength of those games is you can focus on one side at a time, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part. Yeah. Quick, fast breaks and turnovers and breakaways, whatever. But like, you can see if you can follow the action, especially on HD TVs, the passing, the spacing, the cutting, the off off ball or puck movement that makes those games click. And then, like you said, with the NFL, it's like, well, we might have 16 of these 22 players on the screen at a time, maybe. And, you know, even then, once the play starts, the wide receivers break out of frame unless they're being thrown yeah. to. So, like, I mean, imagine watching the Golden State Warriors in the NBA and not knowing where two of the five players in the court were. Yeah, where's Steph Curry? Oh, he just curled around a screen. He has oh, the shit. ball shooting. Oh, whoa. Where like, did he come from? Imagine that. I can't fucking, like, all of a sudden, oh, Curry, we had to pan over. He's in the corner hitting a three. Oh, shit. The pa- we missed the yeah, pass. Yeah, like the we classic double bang shot, and he's not in frame when it yeah, happens. I, like, it's, I, I mean, again, it's somehow the NFL has persevered and is, you know, the number one sport on TV and over, over and over again for God only knows what actual reason that we Americans have done this, but... I mean, the, if you think about it, football is fun to watch for casuals and hardcores. That's why. Yeah. Because, yay, he scored a touchdown. Oh, man, why didn't you tackle it? Like, that's the way casuals it's, can watch it. It's the but middle ground you, of scoring while there's still action. Because baseball score is kind of like, I mean, if you did amount of touchdowns versus amount of runs in a game, it's almost the same thing. Yeah, the baseball exactly. gets too slow and gets boring. And the hockey probably doesn't score enough. And the NBA is scoring all the time. So you're right. Like, the casual thing, you're like, just get to that point right there. And it's kind of hard to do. So see if they can pull it off on this drive. But You're right. That's a good point. And then every once in a while, a game is 49 to 42, and they yeah. do it a whole bunch, and it's fun. So, But if you if you do it too much, then it's the arena league, so then no one likes that. No, you so, can't go and not the XFL either. We don't want that. But I got to say, and I don't really give a shit about football or baseball. I just don't. But like, props to the NFL and props to MLB for being willing to try and attract more casual viewers because it's going to be the way sports leagues survive. And yeah. they've both had some success stories now. MLB shaved like 35 minutes off its average yeah. game time. Stolen bases were rampant this year. We talked about some of the changes when I had posed that question for Cody a couple weeks Attend- back. Attendance was up 30 or a ton. Yeah, like 30 their success story. And yeah. people would have said both those leagues were sort of heading the wrong direction sometime in the last five or 10 years for any number of reasons. And there's still the whole like CTE concussion <laughs> yeah. stuff leaning I, over the NFL and domestic violence. Yeah. But like they're trying and I have to give them credit for that much because their attempts seem to be working. I will say, yeah. given the fact that there's been like three horrifically horrible injuries in the NFL this season, they are so yep. lucky they got through the Toy yep. Story game without like the knee severing thing that happened to Nick Chubb where his leg is dangling out. And ESPN even, or whoever it was, didn't even didn't replay it. it for once. That's it, how bad it was. It was yeah. so bad. They finally didn't do that. 
It's well, it's interesting. They didn't replay it because you know what? If you want to find it, it's easy. Go on Twitter. It's, it's on Twitter. Yeah. It's been posted within forty-five or, seconds or, and then claimed because yeah. the NFL doesn't like some or, of its clips. Or last night's Monday night game where a safety came in and dove, putting his head down because he's stupid, got kneed in the head and was just wobbling off of the field. I would love to see the Toy Story guy wobbling around as he tries to get off the field with the trainers. They really got through, I think, with very minimal injuries or strategically the Toy Story one, which was on a delay, I think, of like a solid almost a minute, it felt like. Um, I'm just imagining the cartoon players all like huddling in solidarity around a down exactly. player, like That's what I'm saying. kneeling like in prayer, and it's they, they and you can like see that. Rex in the background. You're like, this is not tonally appropriate. Exactly. They managed to get through that, so I mean, lucky for them that they didn't have anything weird conundrum kind of come up in that way. So overall, a success. It's got me interested in the NFL more than anything else this season. Yes, including Taylor Swift. Sorry, everybody. How dare you? Uh, I mean, it. I, I did like. I did enjoy the jokes on social media about how Taylor Swift put Travis Kelsey on the map, and then people getting mad at that. I'm like, it's a joke, guys. It's yeah. joke. <laughs> hell joke hath, hell hath no fury like a a, a Swifty score. Well, the, the, <laughs> the great news for all those companies that put Kelsey in their commercials after going the Super Bowl. Now everybody actually does know who he is because he's in like yeah. five different fucking commercials right now, including <laughs> Pfizer COVID mm-hmm. stuff. And I'm like, boy, what a what a great job. They lucked out. Aaron Rodgers called him Mr. Mr. Pfizer the other day. He's, he sure did. he's so bitter. He sure is. He's, he has to watch Zach Wilson every week, though, so you understand. One, hey, la- hey. one last hilarious thing for the NFL is, by the way, Taylor Swift's so popular that Ryan Reynolds and, he, and Hugh Jackman were also in that box. Nobody cared. And no one, they didn't even mention that they were up there, and they are very, very famous people. Blake Lively was in that box. I what she t- oh, yeah, because of yeah. Ryan Reynolds stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and nobody I cared. Ask, I'd ask, like, who is that? Because I'm like, she's way cuter than Taylor Swift. Who is that? Oh, it's Blake Lively. I didn't know that. They, yeah. they kept cutting, and I'm like, boy, that guy looks a lot like Ryan Reynolds. I'm like, mm-hmm. damn, I guess he is a basic-looking white dude. I had no clue it was Ryan Reynolds until the next day when they're like, yeah, Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman were in there, too. And then I get, I love the cuts to Aaron Rodgers, who's just the angriest human being up there the whole time, getting no attention for once. Mm-hmm. Look at me. It's like the CM Punk thing. Look at me. <laughs> Wrestling reference. Sorry, Dave. But Last topic this week. Um, we've seen the sphere in mm-hmm. Vegas. If you haven't, I don't know what you've been missing out on. It's been viral multiple times because of like there was the basketball for summer league just looming over the horizon like a massive sun. There was the eyeball. There was the, the emoji. The there emoji was you know, yeah. There was all sorts of stuff that was just like okay. The exterior of this sphere is hilarious for marketing and advertising purposes because of its potential. For the first time this past weekend, we got to see what it might be like inside the sphere. Hadn't been a ton of footage leaked of what that might look like in the lead-up to U2's opening concert there. I want to go see a concert in the Sphere. (laughs) (laughs) It looked fucking awesome. And yes, it's going to be sold out into oblivion for God knows how long. And tickets, yes, it was the first one, but tickets were like 500 plus just to get in the door. It's cheaper than Taylor Swift, so that's still not bad. Yeah, and this one, of course, because it was the first one, was super celebrity-laden, like Oprah was there and God knows who else. So like... I get all that, but I'm like, I don't even know if I care. I I, I want to see certain acts and not other ones, but I'm not like I want to. I'm not trying to see a specific act there. The venue for me is doing as much of the lifting as the potential music there, isn't it? I mean, like, I, I would pay like 250. I don't think I even like scoff at that. I'm like, I've paid, I don't think so. Yeah, I paid a lot of money for concerts that are like hard to get into for festivals and shit, where I have to stand in the heat and the big old fucking crowd. I'm like, I'm gonna go see two people play in there for three hours and two for 250 bucks. I mean, that look, the picture is amazing. What's the seating capacity that you saw? Did you happen to find that? I don't know. How many there, there? I will say, as a person who um, 
you know, pays attention to a lot of Vegas news. Yeah, I know. There, <laughs> eighteen thousand six hundred supposedly. Uh, well, a, a decent oh. chunk of those are crappy obstructed views in a way. From what I understand, they made some mistakes with the way they like kind of measured it all out. So, but like, you're going to be able to get a good view without, I think, struggling too much. Well, if anything, it appeals to me because I don't really want to be on the floor. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of those obstructed views ones were on like the back ends of the floor. floor exactly. Whereas the second and third levels are looking like directly at the screen. The screen. And you're going to get not only like the cool like visual stuff, but also you know shots of the band playing. And, you know, sometimes when you're at a concert, if you're sitting in the upper deck, you're watching the screens because you can see the performers moving around. But they're like ants, right? So sometimes you watch the TV screens. Well, what better fucking TV screen to watch than this? This is better than like the big ass Cowboys scoreboard or whatever. Like, what a cool and the other factor, by the way, not in addition to the visual stuff, was apparently the acoustics were also really good. Because we've all been to a concert where it's like you can't really make out the lyrics, and you know the band, so you know the song. You can your brain fills it in, but if you're like actually sitting there listening, you're like, I don't know what words are being said. I hear vowel sounds sometimes. So like, if it all actually works, this is a place I would easily pay the upcharge for because I would consider this a destination, even if it wasn't one of my favorite bands playing. As long as I like them, I would go. Yeah, I I can see that, and just I don't know. Vegas always does this where they play it up and just have this, you know, the spectacle of it. And holy shit, do they have the spectacle of this? You talked about just what they put up there in the beginning. I I saw I'm so mad at myself. I was in Vegas in July last summer. And as I was driving home, my wife was driving. I was scrolling through Twitter. I'm like, what's this sphere thing? Oh, it's built. Oh, shit. I could have driven a mile down the road and seen it. God damn it. Mm-hmm. I was so mad at myself. But anyway, I mean, it's. It's amazing. It's a technological marvel. I cannot even get over just the amount of LEDs that they had to put on the outside, what they can display on there, how they set this out. It is a modern engineering miracle. And I, 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 I'm I, amazed. I'm blown away by it. And I, I'm with you, Chris. I would love to go see a show there just to see it in action. So many of the hotels are lucky this thing got built when they didn't have to pay any money for it because a handful of them on that back part of the strip over there a, now I have to charge for parking because everyone was fucking parking in their parking lots <laughs> uh, to go look at it and they didn't want to let them do that anymore. But B, like, you know how there's like, yo, I want a strip view room. Well, now you're in the fucking Venetian. I'm like, no, I want the sphere view room. Now I don't the care. Sahara, the Sahara's back, baby. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, <laughs> those, those, that group up there that, I mean, doesn't have, you know, is not they're, they're, they're bad, but like, I think it's the Wynn, the Encore, the Palazzo, the, the Venetian, all that stuff on that side, like, I mean, even some of the ones across the strip, because you can still see through on some of those rooms, like all those hotels are going to probably start charging a little bit more for some of those rooms. And that 10, 15, 20 bucks over and over again each night is going to go a long way. Yep. And I mean, again, Vegas is doing really well since the pandemic. And obviously they're squeezing the shit out of everybody right now to try and make up for all the money that they lost. Higher fees in Vegas. Jeez. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> um, but I mean, the cool, I think the, the cool part of this, and I mean, U2 is the one, I guess, who's in there now, but whatever. Vegas actually did a pretty good job, I think, in the last like seven, eight years of starting to get actually big time musicians to have residencies again, which I don't think was happening for a long time. That's why we don't see a lot of like shows anymore. I feel like very few of the casinos even have, oh, this off Broadway type show. Now they're getting a bunch of people to like come in. They're going to play three times for three straight weeks and they're going to go away for a little bit and come back. This is going to open up a lot of bands are going to want to play in this thing once they see what it is. And you're going to probably get a lot of people to do some residencies and hold that for a little bit. The dream of course for me is muse. Yeah. That's one of my favorite sense. live bands I've ever seen anyways. So I'm like, what could they do with this? Cause they're already 
way over the top over almost anybody else in the industry as far as what they do for their stage shows. And I'm like, what could they do with this? What could be possible? But I, like I said, I, it wouldn't just be like, oh, well, Muse is there, so I'll go, or Chili Peppers there, I'll go see. Like, if it was, you know, like, I'm not a huge Fall Out Boy guy, but if they were there and I could get tickets and the dates worked out, I would go see Fall Out Boy there because I'd be like, that's a good band, and I want to see this place up close. It's, I mean, because you said the, the, the capacity is like 18,000. Yeah, they it's, say it's like 20,000 if it's standing room only, whatever. But they, the listed they, capacity is 17,600. Yeah, they, they did a good job to make it not too exclusive to where it's like 4,000. That makes tickets go crazy. Yeah. I mean, 18,000 is basically what most basketball and hockey stadiums are. Mm hmm. And now the stage doesn't going to obstruct a bunch of those seats, which it normally would, and so you'd lose like two to four thousand a lot of times in those places. And this actually has eighteen thousand without losing that big chunk that's on that that in spot. But it's not like it's like you know it's it's open. Like you, you don't need to be drawing thirty thousand to be the band who can go sit in there. Anyone who's basically doing regular stadium stuff can probably go in there, and they're going to be able to make it work. Yeah, and you also get stragglers from Vegas, so yeah. it's not like well, you know, we're in. Uh... Kalamazoo, Michigan, and we're playing a show. Exactly. So unless it's our fans, I don't know how many random people we're going to attract. What's well, Vegas? So yeah. anybody can be like, well, fuck it. I'm in town. And there's a show there. I'm going to go see it. Yeah. I mean, you have, you have what, how many thousands and thousands of hotel rooms just on the strip alone that anyone who's a casual person would be like, oh, I guess we're not really doing anything tonight. What's $100 to go or $150 to go see whatever band is in there, you know, six to eight months from now, assuming mm -hmm. the tickets can drop that low on the day of. But you, you're going to you pull people in. You can lose that in five minutes at a craft exactly. table. Like, I mean, it's, uh, although, Chris, if you want to go see you two next Friday the 13th, it's only $1,450. So, not bad. <laughs> I mean, look, you two's a good band. I absolutely can't stand them. So, no, I'm with you. And I, I, I will at least give them credit. And it's a, Legendary it makes sense band. as an opening band. It's a big enough deal that they make sense because you're, yeah, well, what else are you going to get? Right. I will say it was funny to see people be like, is this the future of concerts? And I'm like, well, yeah, for a cool $2.3 billion, you can do this yeah, in any yeah. city you want that, to. That sphere went way, way over budget and is in was in danger of going bankrupt by the time they actually got the fucking thing open. Yeah. So you're going to have to have a lot of money to put down for it to begin with. Now, at least now you have a success story. Seemingly, it's only been one show, so we'll see if it holds up to scrutiny over time. But like, maybe LA, maybe New York, where the hell else could you put one of these things? It's perfect for you Vegas. Can, like the the, the theme of this get, thing uh, is perfect. I mean, you could finally get uh, Futurama where you have Madison Cube Garden now. That's right. Because <laughs> other than that, I can't really think of where else you could put one of these things. Yeah, no. other major cities, but like that's those two in Vegas are the only ones that really come to mind. Let's just start looking globally. But Dubai. that said, maybe it probably shouldn't be the thing that proliferates the market anyways because it needs to be a destination. If there's 30 of these, I don't know how much is, that people care anymore. It'd still be cool. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like, whoa, it's a destination. I'm going to Vegas for that. It's a, I'm going to Vegas and I can also do that maybe. How long before uh -huh. they put the final four in there? Yeah, I was just thinking like, I was thinking smaller. I was thinking like, what high school in the area gets to have their graduation inside this fucking thing, thing for no reason whatsoever <laughs> and not making use of the graphical capabilities at all. Yeah, I feel I feel like, they, like they'll they put a fucking basketball on it again and they'll put the final four in there at some point. And well, I mean, we had the, what was it? The, was it WNBA? Who was doing the interactive court earlier this year? Uh, the women's no, it was like it was a, it was a foreign league. Maybe was it overseas? I think it was an overseas league. Oh, okay. somebody was doing yeah. like a high tech court where you could see like the ball bouncing off of it. It would like ripple and it would like graphics would show up when they made shots. I'm like, I guess that would be the equivalent here. You take a sporting event here and you want a defense chant. And it's like 360 all over the place and like Jim Nance is having a heart attack. I don't know why he's calling a basketball game, but he's there and he's dying because he's too old and he doesn't understand. I mean, again, as a wrestling fan, I want to watch wrestling in there. 
Yeah. Yeah. Put like the big entrance Bo- videos up like, there. Yeah. Boxing seems like it's it's inevitable. Is is you know mixed. I think as popularity as boxing is, I think I boxing guess. ends up in there at some point. The UFC literally hangs out in Vegas. It's and just it's headquartered like, there. None of those sports really need the graphics, you know. Like, yeah, I'm sure but you they just could do use it them. But you can advertise it on the outside, and it is still again like the scene. It's the to do. So I get it. But I'm trying to think of things that actually can use it. And high school graduations and MMA are not among that list. Hey, I think it's kind of hard to see live in that in the tiny little cage. You just put the replay of the thing over and over okay, and over but again. But again, pattern. like you know, when somebody's leg snaps, oh, it's fine. Now you've got it in six thousand p. Yeah, they don't care. You know what you're paying for. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I guess although, an MMA fan should know what to expect. Oh, I gotta say, the idea of the basketball court, the interactive basketball court, we could finally have the NBA Jam like four point spots, the hot spots on the court. We have a six point shot, like. I don't know, like I, maybe you know the uh, the XNBA or the XBA or whatever you want to call it can start up with this type of thing. I mean, it was weird and it was distracting. I thought it was going to be cooler than it was, and there were a couple yeah. of things that were neat when I watched some of the highlights. But it's also now a glass floor, and I'm not sure how that's going to go over with players. There's <laughs> really no cushion in glass whatsoever. <laughs> so you know, if we're worried about Gordon Hayward situations, it feels like that's even worse, especially when then like the floor like lights up and does slot machine rainbow effects. As he's on the ground writhing in pain. And then he gets stuck and they can't turn it off. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's on a loop of him breaking his leg and kids are like turning away and their parents are shooting their eyes and then people are screaming. And, you know, as always, technology could be used for good or for bad, really. It's just up to whoever's using it. And that's our show. Look at all the topics we talked about. Isn't that neat? Yeah. Covered a lot. We all knew about things, about everything. Yeah, Diamondbacks really one day. Like, yeah. We didn't get to say that, but yay. Like, yay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Diamondbacks won. We've watched a little of it, I guess. And that's a lot for us because, unlike Cody, we're not really baseball fans. Yeah, not at all. Awful. It's a good time um, of year. If you want to get back to the NHL, by the way, the regular season starts in a week. I saw they're already in preseason. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. October <laughs> 10th is the opening night. And episode 600 would be the week of Thanksgiving, so we may have to consider if we're actually going to do that. Although there is the 28th before December. So we might be saved as long as we don't miss any other shows. And I'm not going to be out of town, so we shouldn't be missing any more. I think we'll be okay. Episode 600, coming soon. It'll be a big show. We'll have a lot of guests. I don't know what we're going to do yet, but we'll talk to the crew and we'll tease it more as we get closer. All right. It's coming. 600, jeez. 600. Not as big as 500, obviously. I mean, you know, 500 is just that that big round number that's different than the other hundreds, but... It's 100 bigger. Yeah, but you know... It's literally 100 bigger. I don't remember the fact of how big of a deal we made out of episode 100 back in the day, back in 2013, when it was just like, oh my God, episode 100, man, we made it to 100 episodes. We just plasted through 100 episodes like nothing, basically. You yeah, were like, young, and you didn't, you know, you were optimistic about the world. Yeah, we were foolish yeah. and didn't care. Yeah. Now True. I'm old and grizzled and bitter, and I'm still here, because this is one of the few things that gives me joy. And there's your lasting image as we walk off into the sunset. In between episodes, you can find us at our website, objectionnetwork.com or youtube.com slash objectionnetwork. We'll be back next week and seemingly every Tuesday until Thanksgiving with regular episodes. We'll see you next time. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.